Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. McGregor vs. Poirier 3 is all set for UFC 264. Every punch, kick, and knockout means so much more with the DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the UFC, is giving you a shot at huge cash prizes. For this weekend's fights, DraftKings is offering all customers a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy MMA is easy to play. Just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Plus, don't forget about basketball and hockey, where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs throughout the week. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the DraftKings app and use promo code THPN for your shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes, only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and we are back with Season 2, Episode 57, as we are proud, 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 proud fans of the new Norris Trophy winner, Adam Fox, and we couldn't be more excited, but Andy, I got first I have to ask you, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I am in Illinois with uh, my wife. We are seeing her family uh, for the first time since before the pandemic. Uh, but obviously nice to get out of town. Very weird experience kind of traveling far away for the first time since uh, the pandemic. But it's, uh, yeah, no, it's nice to see her family. It's I know I've escaped some sweltering heat in New York, so I'm happy about that. Um, and oh, yeah, yeah. just uh, relaxing, so... I have a bit of an ad hoc uh, setup right now in one of the guest bedrooms to record this podcast, but it's working out. Yeah, I'm in the same boat right now. I'm in Lavalette, New Jersey. I totally forgot my all my equipment. I don't have my computer. I don't have any headphones, speaker, microphone, nothing. So I, I kind of you know jumbled together a little recording device here on an old Mac with old headphones. And, you know, this is, this is a bad look for me because when I recorded the podcast last week, 
I didn't realize I was sitting next to an air vent, and the air vent was picked up the entire podcast because I had the air on. So the like the noise in the background of the last podcast was literally the air because I think I noticed it actually turns off at one point and becomes a little bit more clear. But I had the air blasting right onto the computer, so it was picking up that. Uh, this yeah, this week is probably not much better given the headphones and, and computer combo that I'm working with right now. But uh, we're going to grind through it, Andy, because that's just you know what we're about. All right, let's roll with the punches here. Uh, Andy, obviously, Adam Fox wins the Norris Trophy. Uh, kind of a shock because I was expected to hear Victor Hedman uh, being named the winner. Uh, what was your initial reaction? Because this one was a, a genuine, you know, joyful reaction for me because it wasn't a slam dunk we had to sweat this one out so what were your thoughts when you heard the news oh man uh definitely surprised the second they announced that brian leach would be giving out the award i kind it kind of tipped their hat a little bit so i got started to get excited because at first i was like there's no way he's gonna win this uh but yeah you know it's just funny they even showed on the the broadcast they showed a little graph like a couple of graphics you know just hyping up the uh the nominees and his definitely looked the nicest <laughs> that had tangible stats and numbers for the season and whereas headman's was more of a past reputation type thing and mccarr obviously had his excellent point per game pace you know i think he had what like these uh point per game in 46 games which is pretty damn good but yeah i mean it's really surprised, and, and even when Leach is doing his his uh little intro monologue, he says to the he makes a note of saying to the best uh defenseman in the National Hockey League during the regular season. So I do think that was added just to kind of try to calm people down. Or it's like, oh, Wolves team didn't even make the postseason. It's like, well, it's about who had the best regular season. It was him. Um. So yeah, I was obviously overjoyed. Uh, I made that graphic that went up on our Twitter and Instagram prematurely. I said, you know what, I'm going to try to just uh, manifest this into existence. And uh, yeah, I'm happy it worked out because I put a lot of time and effort into that and it would have been stupid. I probably would have just posted it anyway and say this should have been the winner. But uh, yeah, no, obviously super happy for Adam Fox. I mean, the fact that the Rangers have a Norris Trophy winning defenseman uh, in his second year in the league is wild. I assume this means he's probably going to get a long term, very expensive contract, you know, a little probably a little north of eight million. But hey, you know what? The, the sooner you can recognize you have this type of player in your mitts and lock them up is good. So this really does bode well for at least the future if i mean if he's this good well someone one of my friends texted me and said you know now that do you think that because he has this attention that players are going to key in on him or is this going to hurt him going forward and i don't necessarily think so i just think because he has so much poise and he actually excels at pulling players to him i think that works to his advantage and he kind of seems like a you know just his cerebral type of play he doesn't really get hit too much because his vision is so good and yeah, his just his game is really just based on his mechanics more so than skating ability. So he's kind of reminds me of like a Brian Rafalski in that he's a guy who will probably play for a long time just because it doesn't really matter if he's if as he gets older his skating slows down a little bit or he loses. It's just that's literally not 
yeah, it's just is he's he's like an okay he's like a good skater with his edges, but in terms of just explosiveness and speed, he's just not really that all that fast. But it doesn't really matter. <laughs> so I think yeah, he's no, I, age, like fine wine. I, I totally agree with you, Andy. Uh, you, if you look at you know just the style of play that he has, I think last podcast or two podcasts ago, you compared him to almost like a Panarin when he's out on the ice, where he avoids so much contact and you know knows how to you know escape tight situations without getting hit. Um, the longevity it will certainly be there, and you know there's no way that those teams around the league and especially the, this division this year with just you know obviously playing the same seven teams all season long they weren't keying in on him because if you look at just the Rangers stats in general I mean almost every goal just seemed like he was a part of the play if not assisting on the play and you know there are certain players on the New York Rangers team that you would certainly key on Panarin Zibanejad and you know Fox would certainly probably be the top three and you know you know, the teams knew that he was there. They knew that he was a special player, a playmaker. Um, his ability to cross, uh, pass across the ice, uh, his vision, uh, his, you know, his poise, his escapability. Um, he just always seems to, you know, never be in danger or put, you know, put the team in a dangerous situation. Uh, I just, I don't, even if you do key on him a little bit more, I don't think it's going to make that much of a difference. And honestly, that's what, you know, the name of the game is. And that's why the Rangers need depth. So, you know, if they do key on our, 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 our key guys, you know, we have other options. And, and you know, that's, that's the part of building a hockey team. And when you have a guy like Adam Fox, you know, uh, you know kind of manning the ship on the defensive side of the puck, it, it's just it's nice to know you have a guy who he doesn't just contribute offensively, he contributes defensively. You know, he was very good at, you know, reading plays and picking the puck up in the corners and making outlet passes. And, you know, although, you know, not every play translates to a goal or an assist, it's just, uh, you know, his body of work in each of the zones, offensive, neutral, and defensive zone, you know, kind of speaks for itself. And that's why, you know, he won the Norris Trophy. It's not a you know who what defenseman has the most points in the nhl it's you know what defenseman you know has the best overall game in the nhl and adam fox is obviously certainly in 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 the conversation every single year uh from now on because because of his style of play you know he's not going to be a flash in the pan where he's going to put up you know 75 points and everyone's going to you know uh be gung-ho because you know he's a minus five on the season so you know, I, uh, you know, I, I'm, I cannot believe it. You know, having Brian Leach give out the award was obviously a dead giveaway. But, you know, just the connection that we've made in the past that, you know, the last player to win this award on the Rangers was Brian Leach. And just what Brian Leach has meant to the Rangers, you know, even if just one Stanley Cup was won, you know, just his, you know, I guess the uh, nostalgia of Brian Leach, you know, being for, you know, people our age, and I'm mumbling words right now, but people our age, it's just, you know, it was made it extra special that he was able to present the award. Uh, my next question for you, Andy, though, is, you know, going forward, obviously, uh, the New York Rangers seem to have a bunch of defensemen, right? We have a bunch of the D in our farm system, we have Braden Schneider, we have, you know, DeAndre Miller and Lindgren and Fox and and Truba and 
you know, we have all these guys that are here right now. Eventually, someone's going to have to get shipped off. And if we have two defensemen making $8 million with Truba and Fox now, does that concern you? Yeah, it does. And like you said, I've, always, I've made peace with the fact that the Rangers simply have too many defensemen. They're going to have to lose some of them. Um, they can only marinate in the AHL so long before they're going to want to push their way for a roster spot, or they can only see the writing on the wall before they go to their agent and say, there's no room for me in this lineup, or it's too hard. I want to go someplace where I, I have a much clearer path to the NHL. Um, and of course, that's where they have most of their value. You know, they have all these young, talented defensemen that could be flipped for a very nice piece that could help them in an area that they're deficient. So I made peace with that, but obviously it does concern me right now that obviously Fox making that money doesn't concern me because it's probably what he's worth. Um, But Truba obviously making that kind of money. Yeah, that concerns me, uh, especially because it's been a, a slog for him since he's gotten here. He's had his good moments and his bad moments. And, uh, We've both we've talked about on this podcast that when he is engaged and playing the type of hockey this team needs him to play, it's it's probably he might be only slightly overpaid, right? He you know it's he might be a six million dollar guy who's getting paid as an eight million dollar guy. So ult in a in a vacuum that doesn't concern me too much. It's like yeah, it sucks he's getting overpaid, but it's not it's not a horribly abysmal contract. But um, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, it's looking like. I think the problem is you don't really know what you have in these kids right now. They're kind of magic beans, whether it's Schneider or Lundquist or hell, even Zach Jones, even though we saw a little bit of him. And yeah, that's just, they have a lot of, so I think it's going to come down to project, trying to project their career paths. And unfortunately it just, it feels like uh, a kid like Nils Lundqvist, who, who is very promising might be seen as a little redundant. You know, if especially if they're going to hold on to a Zach Jones or just because of how much value he has. And listen, I, I love Braden Schneider and I love the snarl he brings, but there is a chance that Nils Lundqvist is a better defenseman. But there's also a chance that Braden Schneider is a better defenseman. We just don't know, which is why it would be nice to have the the benefit of time to watch these kids kind of develop a little bit, even if it is in the AHL, just to see who is more equipped at the time being or who is acclimating faster. Um, but yeah, I mean, we unfortunately don't have the benefit of that if they're going to make a move this summer and it requires flipping one of those two guys. Um, and I mean, listen, this is not taking into account a potential Eichel trade or something, which would cost ridiculous pieces where then, you know, if you ask me who the Rangers are untouchables are in their prospect pool, I do think Kako and Lafreniere are part of it. Other than that, maybe Keandre Miller, just because they have a little bit more proof of concept, but that doesn't mean he's 100% off the table either. So, yeah, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of hard to say who, who gets moved and does that help their logjam back there? Because like you said, when you have two, you're paying two of your defensemen $8 million, all of a sudden the dollars start to get tight. It's, they're lucky that they have a lot of younger defensemen who will, will be on ELCs, but. Yeah, it's tight. The, the the cash is tight. The cap is tight on their back end. And I guess it will be interesting to see who they deem uh, a better trade ship if they are making a big move this summer for either uh, an 
ill-advised trade for Jack Eichel or even just another piece down the middle that can help them. Yeah, and and the one big thing that I worry about, you know, with our cap is that we overload on guys that don't really produce. And, you know, right now, you know, obviously Truba and Kreider are our two biggest, you know, uh, cap hits that, you know, if we can go back in time, I, I certainly would think and hope that their New York Rangers wouldn't sign these players to these contracts. But, you know, uh, Truba was kind of the, the benefit of the time. There weren't a lot of defensemen out there, and he was, you know, the prize pony. And, and you get rewarded with, you know, uh, a nice contract when you know, you're kind of the only one on the market, and that's kind of how it goes. But, you know, looking at the, the playoffs so far, it's pretty clear that you do need a little balance of grit, mobility. Uh, you need some speed. Uh, you, you need guys that can, you know, slow the pace down a little bit and, you know, kind of be able to make outlet passes and, and kind of, you know, almost be the quarterback of uh, certain breakouts, especially when teams uh, kind of go back on their heels and, and they kind of want to trap you a little bit. You know, are, is there a defenseman right now in the Rangers system that hasn't seen um, too much playing time? Because we can talk about Zach Jones and everything like that. Um, are, are there young Rangers defensemen that kind of fit the mold that you're seeing uh, be so beneficial to like a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning? Um, you know, as they're up 3-0 against the Montreal Canadiens in, in the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, I mean, so obviously you talk about, and on the broadcast, they were really harping on Tampa's D and just how, what a good mix of size and mobility they had. Uh, because Hedman, McDonough, Sergachev, uh, you know, I don't know how big David Savard is offhand, but yeah, they just, they, they are guys that are, big but are also mobile they can all can skate pretty well and they can make good breakout passes i mean luckily i don't think you know as of right now zach jones and nils lung adam fox aside because he's you know in a class of his own but you know you you look at nils nils lungfist and zach jones and those are two guys that are a little bit smaller but they're uh definitely thinking man's defenseman uh nils is actually a little bit bigger than zach and will probably I think he's Nils is a kid who will probably end up anywhere between. Um, I think he's probably already six foot. He'll he'll probably top out or somewhere around six one, and I don't know if he'll ever be a super stout defenseman. Maybe he will, so, but I think he he already has a little bit more heaviness to his game than you would think, and he just has to get stronger. I guess the same with Zach Jones, but Zach Jones to me will always be a more of a defensive. Yeah, or I should say more of a uh, offensively minded, uh, elusive, smaller D, where I do think Nils can become a Anton Strallman type, can become a guy who's not, he's just smart with his positioning, will throw occasional hits. He's not going to be as heavy as a, a McDonough or, you know, some of these other bigger Ds in the league, but he's still, yeah, he can be a good two-way defenseman. He's got a good mix of mobility, but also can uh, get in and be responsible with his positioning and his body when he to separate when he needs to. Obviously, Braden Schneider is like every GM's wet dream because he is so can skate so well and make a pretty good breakout pass uh, for his size. So that's one of the reasons why I'm inclined to believe the Rangers would probably want to hang on to him despite not really knowing 
where he projects out. Um, I don't think his situational awareness is as high as a as a defenseman like Nils. I don't think he has the quite his ceiling is clearly not as high as Nils Lundqvist is. But at the same time, I do think he's his floor or just his floor and his just his physical tools bring make his uh, yeah make his floor a bit higher. Uh, same goes with Matthew Robertson, who I think could just surprise people. He doesn't really get talked about because he's just not quite as nasty as Schneider, but he's, he's technically, he's bigger. So, and he, his game isn't, he doesn't play a light game. He's not, you know, he's not as, I don't think he's as, uh, oh, he's not a, a bit as big of a hitter as Braden Schneider is, but he's still, a, you know, he's the captain of, uh, his team in the Western Hockey League for the Oil Kings. And he's just a reliable, robust, steady defenseman so the rangers have those type of players in their system luckily uh, but they have they seem to have a, a little bit of everything you know they have and i mean you know fox aside if let's say their decor ends up being some combination of keandre miller who is getting more physical as the year went on and is a bigger guy Adam Fox, Jacob Truba, who we know is already physical, uh, Ryan Lindegren, who we know is extremely physical despite his size. And he's another guy who probably will just get, we forget how he's still a young man, so he'll at least get a little bit more. Uh, I'm sure he'll get a little bit more muscle on him as he goes. And yeah, then you bring in a Braden Schneider or a Matthew Robertson to round it out. And even if you, even if that last spot is occupied by a Zach Jones or a Nils Lundqvist. That's a pretty well-rounded physical decor, and all of them can skate in their own way. And you know, the one <laughs> Adam Fox would probably be the worst skater of that bunch, but he's so good on his edges, and he's just so goddamn smart. It doesn't matter. So, yeah, I mean, the Rangers clearly have all the tool, like they have the puzzle pieces, but they kind of have to figure out how they, what are the best fit. You know, which ones ultimately are. Uh, I guess extraneous would be the word. Yeah, and you know, if you look at how the Rangers are built right now, especially on the front end, you know, I do think that obviously some of those pieces that you've mentioned will be moved to bring in some depth, you know, up front. Because again, if you look at how the Tampa Bay Lightning are built, and you know, the faults of the Montreal Canadiens, I think depth is almost the name of the game, especially up front. I mean, you have so many different options and you can just see how, um, you know, Tampa Bay is able to contribute and run a system through four lines. And, you know, Montreal kind of falls short after the first two. And, you know, you know, it's these teams that only get one line going, you know, in the playoffs that have early exits. And right now, that's literally what's the problem with the Montreal Canadiens. And, you know, I look at the New York Rangers, right? And you look at the offensive stats and, you know, everything is always driven by, you know, Panarin, Sabanajad. And it wasn't until the, towards the end of the season where you felt like players like Lafreniere and, and even Kako, but you were, everyone was proud of his two-way game and, and rightfully so, because it was so good. But, you know, you want to see contributions made up and down the line, lines one through four. And I do think that the Rangers will address that. I think Depth is going to be the biggest thing that the Rangers address this season. Um, one of the players, Philip Deneau, I, I think I've mentioned him on the podcast before. I know I've thrown that name around, but you know, there's a guy that has stated that he wants out of Montreal and he wants to you know, explore different options uh, next season. 
Um, is that a guy that you would uh, like to bring in, Andy, even though he's, you know, obviously, uh, you know, playing in Stanley Cup finals right now for the Montreal Canadiens? But, you know, uh, he has mentioned before that he doesn't want to be in Montreal. So uh, unless his opinions change now that he's playing for a cup, what would you think of a guy like him coming and kind of fitting as a, a 3C for the New York Rangers? Well, you definitely bring them an element they lack because obviously defensively minded uh, centers are, yeah, are, are important. And this team for all their weapons that are on the Rangers right now, they don't really have a shutdown center of that quality. Um, And yeah, I think like, like I said, it would, would give them an element they are really lacking. And it's just one of those things that it, just having examples of that are good for teams because it helps the rest of the team. Cause Montreal, I mean, yes, they're getting overwhelmed in the cup final versus Tampa, but they've played good defensively um, up until this point, which is why they made it this far. Yes. Obviously Carrie price has been good until now, although, you know, I don't want to put it all on him. I think just Montreal, unfortunately is getting a little bit overwhelmed. overwhelmed yeah. uh, and I'm sure the Islanders Islander fans are like, kicking themselves right now and are so pissed because I think they could probably could have beaten this Montreal team, but you know, luck of the draw, I guess. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, you know, he, he is the exact type of player that the Rangers could use down the middle. Uh, and that's why there's a part of me that when I think about the Rangers, I I wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if the Rangers are kicking tires on a lot of those or at least Chris Drury's kicking the tires on a lot of players like that and especially ones you wouldn't even consider um yeah because obviously I think the Eichel trade is going to be just when you when it with all the rumors of what the asking price is I think it's clear that it hasn't happened yet I think a lot of teams are scared by the medical uh yeah, the medical report and the medical history and especially the asking price combined with that and the fact that, yeah, I just think it's until that price comes down and you, and we've heard a lot of beat writers say this until the price comes down on Eichel, um, teams aren't going to really are not going to see like they're talking, but they're not going to pull the trigger. So yeah, I do think the Rangers will target these types of players, whether that's one of who knows Tampa, if they keep having cap problems, maybe they, ask about uh you know an anthony sorelli you know or 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 one of their wingers who is can also play center you know like a yanni gord or whatever um yeah they ask montreal about to know you know who's a guy who i've heard a lot of not not smoke but there's been it's been a lot of open rumblings about is that you know here's a question does dylan larkin at his age does he match up with the timetable for what detroit's trying to do you know, I wonder that he's, yes, he's their cap. They just made him their captain, but he's been in the league a while now, right? He's what? 25 years old, maybe 24. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, listen, I've kind of, I heard that too. I don't know why I have this vision of Dylan Larkin kind of being like small and fragile and just like injury prone. I don't know why I have that in like stuck in my head and Detroit's kind of been irrelevant over the last three seasons. Or so where you know ever since they like failed to make the playoffs remember that playoff streak you know I, I've kind of just written off anybody that's been on the Detroit Red Wings and I, I don't know what Dylan Larkin 
what the status is there. And I, I don't know if it's something, a role that he's like wants to take on kind of being part of that rebuild and trying to stay in, in hockey town. So, you know, is there actual rumblings that he wants? Like, no, be no, I don't think, leave? no. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think there's been anything concrete. I just think there's a lot of open speculation. It's like, well, they're going to be rebuilding at least for the next, he's already 24. So they're not going to be competitive until he's at least 28 years old. And he's playing right. his best years of hockey now. Yes, I think he's from like Waterford, Michigan or something like that. So he's from the area. So that helps probably why he would want to stay. Um, but yeah, and I mean, also, he could get... Steve Eiserman could get some excellent assets for him. You know, and uh, I do think... Because, you know, his first... His first year in the league, he had, or not his first year in the league, excuse me. Um, yeah, he's, his point totals have been a little bit all over the place, but, you know, he had, two years ago, he had 73 points in 76 games. And I'm looking at his games played, and there have been, outside of this last season, he's played close to 80 games every year. So, 80, 80, 82, 76, 71. So, um, yeah, but yeah, like you said, it's kind of it's obviously tough to be on a team that's just been a losing team for the last few seasons. But just whenever I've seen his play internationally, where they usually take him and he plays in the World Championships a lot, because obviously Detroit's out of it, so usually he plays in a more shutdown style. He plays like a Matthew Veneers <laughs> type game, and he's very effective at it. He brings another that just a a, a he brings his team speed and and checking element that I don't think the Rangers currently have, which I think could really help them a lot. I think he could kind of excel in that role. And yeah, I it's one of those things where it's like I we we now he's the ultimate, you know, winning captain and all this nonsense, but you know, Ryan O'Reilly used to be a considered like a like a crybaby loser who wanted more money and went to Buffalo and then whined about it and then crashed his his truck into a Tim Hortons and now he's like the ultimate winner. And it's just funny how narratives can change everything. You know, it goes from that to winning at Conn Smythe. So, yeah, it's kind of hard to say. And again, I don't think this is realistic. This is just kind of a little bit of wish forecasting. But it's just kind of something interesting to think about. It's like, you know, I think it would it'd be a favorable situation for Larkin. But at the same time, it's he's going to probably waste most of his prime years and not that you can't be a good player when you're 28, but you know Detroit's not winning the cup in the next four seasons. I'm sorry. I mean, I think they, I think they know that, but you know, I th- and you have to does what does I guess it would come down to does Dylan Larkin value that over, um, you know, does he t- tell himself, well, maybe I can go somewhere, play competitive hockey, and then come back. Or, or yeah cause, well i was but just it, thinking I, that i mean that's a fair point i mean but some players like they, they don't want to be moved and you know if you, you find a, a city and a spot that kind of you know has taken you in and and you feel you know uh, you owe it to the community to kind of stick with your with your team uh through you know thick and thin i i could see him wanting to stay i don't know why but i again i have all these thoughts of Dylan Larkin and I don't really follow him that closely um again because uh, unfortunately because Detroit has been so irrelevant but I get like almost like a Shane Doan vibe from him where no matter what the situation he kind of falls in 
he's the leader of that team. You know, he's the face of that franchise and he's going to ride it out. And, and I don't know, maybe pull like a Henrik Lundqvist where hopefully at the end of your, your tenure, you, you got a, a crack at making the playoffs and, and, uh, making a run. Um, I'm not sure, Andy. Now you got me. Now you got the the wheels turning in my head. Uh, Ian and uh, Dylan Larkin. I'm pretty much you know dressing them up right now in a Ranger sweater as we speak. So um, <laughs> yeah, that was just speculation on my part. But no, no, and uh, it's not a bad one because he's been around the league. He's got that respect. Um, he's obviously a leader. Um, I think he'd fit perfect. I, the one thing that kind of scares me, Andy, is that you know, do you want to bring in a guy that's kind of playoff tested, right? That's kind of has gone through the gauntlet of, of playing multiple rounds and, you know, obviously shows that they can, you know, play a heavier game, play a game built around kind of a, a no rule system as I think we'll get into over the next couple podcasts. I think we got something uh, brewing up. Uh, TD wants to get on talking about the playoffs and stuff. So, but, you know, are you worried that he might not be, you know, battle tested, playoff tested? No, I mean, you know, I, I think there's, I think there's plenty of examples of of guys that come in and are yeah I, I I think those are those factors usually kind of depend on if whether or not he's put in a position to succeed or fail. I think even though I don't want to like Taylor Hall had a I don't want to say it wasn't underwhelming it was just a whelming like he he did pretty okay in Boston even though they were out fairly quickly um, because he was in a he's playing in a role where. Yeah, I just think where he was sheltered a little bit, and I think if you bring Larkin in and he doesn't have to be the first line, you know, center anymore, sure. I think he would be. It would, yeah, I think it would work to his favor, you know. And I especially if it's like if it's, if you're putting him in a role where his role is more of a cause disruption with your speed and forecheck more, where it's like don't worry about the scoring. And yeah, he seems like a guy who would take that to heart. I think it's. You, yeah, I think it's like like Dano. It's like Dano is putting up; he's having an excellent playoffs. He's shutting the other team down. Um, the point totals are, they're, yeah, they're they're good, but they're not insanely lofty. But that's not what he's there for. So it's a little bit more of a nebulous thing. So it kind of because obviously the point if you're a points guy, they they look for the points, and if they're not there, or it's it's very easy to see like, well, why aren't you doing the thing? You know. <laughs> so I don't think I think it kind of almost. Yeah, I think it would almost benefit him if because if he's brought in, you're clearly bringing him in as a to use his speed to be a more defensive minded center for your team. Well, so it it's kind of funny that you mention a player like him because I can see the new NHL right. We if you, like when the Devils were winning their Stanley Cups, it was all about the trap and defense and and slowing the other team's offense down, and then it kind of transitioned to a high powered. Uh, physical, a heavier game, and I think you're going to see Andy over the next like ten years. The transition game is going to be like the new. It's going to be the new heavy when uh, you know teams that can play in transition. And it, it it started this year for me watching Tampa, and everyone is you know constantly talking about you know you know Tampa Bay is able to transition quicker than the other team. They're catching these slower defensemen off the, off the transition. So if you get a guy like Larkin, who's got very good speed, you know, one, one of the faster guys in the NHL, I don't know if that's even true anymore. Again, I'm thinking of Larkin of, of old, but if, I'm sure he could still he could still burn a little bit. You know, you bring in a guy like that that's going to be playing third-line minutes matched up against maybe the other team's third line, 
I mean, and and he's got a couple, you know, sharpshooter wingers on his line. I mean, I, now I'm thinking of even like if he's playing third line center and you have a guy like Kreider that can keep up with them and kind of get, you know, stick his ass in front of the net and, and kind of put a sniper on the right hand side. I, I think that'd be a very effective line. Um, yeah, no, I, I that actually is kind of what popped into my head because you have two guys, you know, especially like you said, the, the speed on that line would be excellent. And then you try to put one guy who is a, a more talented finisher. You know, Larkin's clearly more talented than Kreider in that he is fast, but he also can make plays. And uh, so, yeah, I think all it takes is putting. And hell, I think you could even I think that's a line that even. uh like Kako would be would be good on, even though he's not as fast as the other two. I think it helps because he's a guy as we see him go to the net more and more, and he has soft hands and tight. I just think he that's a line that would benefit him, especially because they would be very good on along the walls, which is seems to be a, a strength of his. So, yeah, or who knows? Maybe even crafts off a guy who's a good skater, yeah. but is also clearly a little bit more. Although Kravtsov, to me, at times, I think he's a little bit more of a pitch-and-catch type player. He plays a very distinctly, uh, you know, like Russian playmaking off-the-wall style. So I don't know if it would be a perfect match, whereas I think Kako might might be a better fit there. But you, you never know, you know, it's just, you, you don't know until you know. So it's just, like I said, this is all just wish forecasting and just kind of based on speculations and things that you, you you hear people say about like, Oh, well, you know, I wonder if this could be a fit. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, I think, well, I, I did want to talk about one thing really quick is that, you know, Larry has been real, you know, on fire lately with strange takes, but, uh, I don't know if this is necessarily a strange one, but he, he seems to be under the, the, he doesn't believe the Rangers can afford to add anyone of their without like subtractions to their current roster, which I, I technically agree with. Like, I mean, in a, in a vacuum, I agree with it just from a cap perspective and from just uh, having too many assets on your team or not having enough, uh, you know, not enough spots for players. So he, he seems to, maintain that the rangers won't look to add a deno or a um you know anyone off of t- like a blake coleman or any of these type of players because they'd have to make significant they 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 almost feel they'd have to clear to it wouldn't be worth it for them to clear the space they would almost have to overpay by taking players off their roster because those slots are already filled Whereas he thinks the Rangers are more likely to go like the the Matthew Kachuk Jack Eichel route because they would you know they would cost packages but it would it would be in line with how much it would cost to acquire you know these guys you wouldn't have to overpay you would just and it would clear up the space in the roster in the lineup needed for them to to play which I don't necessarily buy but I, I uh, don't well I don't necessarily buy it either and the the only problem i have with that kind of theory is that well obviously it would it would depend on player to player i think if you're if you if you are a gm and you're kind of looking at your back end i'd be like yeah there's no way you can bring in a veteran guy making six million dollars and just throw him in the mix i i think you got if you're signing fox 
to a long-term heavy contract, you're not doing that. But on the offensive side of the puck, we're really not spending that much money. Like you, you, you got to realize, like if I think it's just written in the stars that Bushnevich is not going to be a Ranger next year. Once he's yeah, gone, get- you're you're not really like there's no player besides Panarin that you're like, you know, we're you know we're really truly committed to, except Kreider, and we all know that that's a bad contract and. There's nothing you can do, but that's not like an ultimate killer right now. Like that shouldn't absolutely destroy us not signing a guy like Philip Deneau. Like how how all of a sudden are we strapped for cash? Yeah, I, I just think it's with between projecting. Is he thinking long term? I think he's thinking long term, which makes sense. You're going to have to lock up Adam Fox. You're going to have to lock up Igor Shesterkin. Um Sooner rather than later, Kraftsoff's ELC will be up. Um, yeah, I just think, yeah, I mean, guys are going to have to get paid. Uh, luckily, we were, we locked Ryan Lindgren up, but well, hopefully, uh, we have this problem because we're we're proje- what, is he projecting that these guys are all going to be all stars? I mean, as of right now, like Kako Lafreniere, Kraftstoff, like these guys have been solid and been okay, but <laughs> they're not going to cost as much money if you know they're producing the way they are producing right now. Yeah. I mean, there seems to be a, it's funny because there there seems to be if you look at the the Ryan Nugent Hopkins, uh, he resigned in Edmonton um, and someone else resigned. I forget who it was. Um, whatever. But, you know, there seems to be with the way with the cap, there seems to be long term deals at a little bit of a depressed rate. So it's like they're giving teams to 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 circumvent this. They're they're giving players the term they want or would want because usually they it's the opposite, it's the other way around. It's usually GMs give don't care about giving player the money they want. It's the term that kills them. But it seems like because yeah. the cap's going to remain static, they're like we're we know this is a favorable number, so we are going to lock you up long term because we listen. We can't give you probably the amount of dollars you're 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 worth. Um, but like we're going to give you we're going to we're going to lock out. you in at a favorable number that I guess they can sell to the players are like look I don't want to give you eight I wanted to give you 6 years but I'm going to give you eight but the only way this works for us or for just the, your teammates as a whole is if you come in at this number and I you know so now all of a sudden there is a part of me that thinks maybe they can lock Buchnevich up um they'd have to do it you know I guess it's yeah. If you could get Buchnevich in ar- around six million somewhere and lock him up, even if it does go for another eight more e- seasons, uh, yeah, you'd have to think long and hard on that because that it's a very good deal for a guy like that, you know. So, but I guess we'll see. I still think he's out the door, or they find they end up flipping him to address. I do know it does seem like they the Rangers want to a um want to get a veteran presence on the back end just to help out there and B, they are clearly looking to shore up some shutdown role in their, in their bottom six. So we'll, yeah, we'll see if, if Buchnevich trade is that, or he's part of a trade for a, a higher profile piece, but yeah, right now it seems unlikely that he comes back or that is that he, you know, he's at training camp next, uh, next fall. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, 
there's a it's just yeah that this flat cap really does throw a, a monkey wrench into a lot of things and i it is seemed to it has already seemed to have effects on how gms are operating and what they're willing to you know what they're willing to do so if that means they're they're gonna just kick the can down the road they'll and worry about a guy being on their roster too long tomorrow it can happen obviously you have to be careful because those are the deals that that kill you in the end uh, hence all you know duncan keith and all these other nightmare stories in seabrook but um yeah just interesting to it'll be interesting to see what if if gorton is will i keep saying gorton out of habit sorry if chris drury is uh willing to lock up some of these guys longer term if if it if they if they agree to keep uh the salary number down yeah, and you know it's going to be important for the Rangers to kind of figure that out. And I feel like the clock is almost ticking because, you know, a lot of times you got to have your your roster pretty much set and ready to go before the draft, uh, or you know, yeah, I, I'd say before or after the draft, like right around that area, because you know, uh, draft time I feel like is you know right around the corner, and that's when most of the moves are made, especially the bigger moves. Because, uh, you know, they want to be a part of that draft. They want to, you know, the one thing, you know, obviously with Seattle now coming in and, and you have to expose certain players and stuff like that. So, you know, I think the Rangers will have to address some of these questions within the next month for sure as the uh, as July is here and the draft is now approaching. And, you know, it's a quick turnaround. And, you know, pretty soon before you know it, we won't be talking draft anymore. We'll be talking training camp. So. Um, yeah, a lot of questions have to be answered, and um, you know, we'll kind of be here every step of the way. Uh, any, any final thoughts, Andy, as we uh, as we shut it down here on the Fourth of July? Yeah, so obviously, happy Fourth of July uh, to everyone. If you're listening to this on Monday, I hope you stuffed your face with as many hamburgers and hot dogs as you could. Saw some cool fireworks. Uh, got outside. You know, just enjoyed being around. Uh, friends and family uh like you said james we have the draft coming up we have the expansion draft coming up so eventually pretty soon i'm sure we'll get a leak of what the rangers uh list looks like and i don't think there'll be too many surprises i think the big one comes down to whether or not uh brett how there seems to be this brett howden or, or julian gautier narrative so we'll see how that shapes out i think uh, we're it's no secret who this podcast is hoping gets exposed and who uh, gets protected, but we'll see. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see with the draft impending if, you know, whether that's leading up to or at the actual draft do the Rangers keep that pick. And listen, you can't make, you can't make deals uh, materialize or just to make them happen. So if they, if even if they're in talks with some teams, but there's just nothing concrete yet in the drafts there, you have to make the pick. So it'll be interesting to see how they approach that, uh, you know, if they go best player available or if they try to draft in a way that kind of they feel addresses a need for them um, or at least talk themselves into that. So, yeah, that'll be fascinating. Like you said, then it's just uh, it'll it'll be a quick turnaround because, yeah, there's still, you know, (laughs) the cup final still going on, although it could end very, very soon. So. Uh, yeah, it'll be fascinating summer, uh, and hopefully, at least on my end, that I don't have, outside of a wedding in August, I'll actually be home and not have to, you know, 
be all over and just jerry-rigging a podcast setup. So, yeah, looking forward to a little bit more stability and a little bit more in-depth talk about uh, some movement on the Rangers' end. So, everyone, enjoy your 4th of July. And uh, like I said, eat a nice big old hot dog for me. Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod, and please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.